Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Here is the plan. Go subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Appreciate everyone that has. I did. I uh, went on Collins' podcast, so you can hear a lot of takes on Sean Payton, the Rogers situation, Pac-12, which is sad, but is disintegrating right in front of our eyes. So I'll touch on today. This is mainly going to be a mailbag podcast, and I will open up with some thoughts on the injuries. Burrow avoided disaster, luckily. And Jalen Ramsey, I would say long-term, not going to miss the season, in we think, but is going to be gone for a while. So injuries are happening all over the league. Touch on that. And then, like I said, the mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. I answer a bunch of questions. So even though I went on Collins' podcast, I want to get a little content up. Uh, and I just had questions to answer on the mailbag. So I wanted to get you guys that have not made the show on the show. So that's what we did. And then I'm also wearing the Volume Flex Fit hat right now. If you go to the volume.com, the volume.com and search the merch, the volume.com search the merch, you can find these FlexFit hats. I just ordered a bunch to give out to some buddies. Uh, so yeah, go check that out. Go buy yourself a hat. They, they look good. They feel good. And uh, hopefully you guys will be rocking them during football season. Any other housekeeping? I think that's it. So let's dive into the podcast. But first, grab your smartphone, download the Game Time app, Type in the promo code John, that's J-O-H-N, for $20 off your first pair of tickets. Download the Game Time app, promo code John, anything you want. You want preseason games, you want regular season games, you want to go to college football games, you want to go to baseball games, you want to go to a concert, you want to go see Morgan Wallen, you want to go see, I was going to drop a rock band, I don't even, ACDC, saw them back when I was a kid, I don't even know if they're still torn, but anything you want to see, concert, sport-related, Game time, number one ticketing app, the official ticketing app of the show, promo code John. <laughs> Things change so fast in the NFL. Like, like To me, there is not a sport where things change more quickly. An injury can just immediately derail a season. An injury that you think screws yourself, all of a sudden you find out you have a fifth rounder on the team who is better than that guy. It doesn't happen that way in baseball. Guys go to the minors forever. You don't even know these guys until they finally get up, and most of them never live up to the hype. For every De La Cruz with the Reds, there are 100 guys that you can't ever remember because they sucked. In basketball, for the most part, star players don't come out of nowhere. Yet in the NFL, I was thinking about this driving today, because Brock Purdy made his return first practice. He didn't practice yesterday. And there were two guys who were battling to be the backup. Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. He is entrenched as the 49ers starter going into the season. And the two guys competing to be his backup were both number three overall picks. 
But not only number three overall picks, the 49ers traded multiple ones to get Trey Lance. The New York Jets traded a hole to move up just from six to number three to get Sam Darnold. And now, obviously, Sam's been in the league longer than Trey. They're both competing to be a backup to Mr. Irrelevant. If I would have told you last season, at this time, I was living in the Bay Area, that Brock Purdy would be the starter in the middle of the season, I would have bet you $5,000 no chance. I would have bet you that he would have been not even made the team, that he would have been a practice squad guy. And then his training camp went on. He made the team as a third quarterback, some injuries. A year later, Kyle Shanahan loves him. He's a starting quarterback. I was thinking about it today like Dak Prescott. If you're a Cowboy fan, his rookie season, you were like, oh, yeah, we got this guy in the fourth round from Mississippi State, had a pretty good career under Dan Mullen, excited to see what we can do with him. Pretty athletic guy. Then by the time the season rolls around, the dude's your starter. Tony Romo's back goes out. Kellen Moore, I think, breaks his ankle. And all of a sudden, Dak Prescott's your starter. He's gone on to have a fantastic career, given where he started. But things change in the blink of an eye. And sometimes, like, Romo, careers just end in camp. You're like, God, that back is shot. And if you watch Romo play golf right now, the back is still fucked. He can barely put a tee in the ground. And then you just have guys who just get injured. And at the time, when they do, feel like, is this going to derail our season? This was, if you're the Miami Dolphins right now, you make a pretty good trade, right? You trade a, what, third-round pick to get Jalen Ramsey? You get him on your squad, you add Vic Fangio, you're like, our defense is going to be awesome. Then all of a sudden, you look on the internet, and Jalen Ramsey has injured his knee. Didn't, according to Schefter, no ACL, not out for the season, but is going to miss significant time. And you know the thing is, and Jalen's been one of the best you know, defensive players, definitely the def- best corners over the last five, six years, is there's a chance there's a guy you've never heard of right now on your team who's a fifth-round pick, who's an undrafted free agent, who's a second-year practice squad guy, who can just fill in and be fine. Because sometimes that happens in the NFL. Happened with Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant all of a sudden becomes a starting quarterback. I'm not saying it happens all the time. I'm not saying you're just locked to upgrade when you lose a quote-unquote name guy. But it's the NFL. Things change like that. And because of the amount of people on every roster, you just never know what you got until guys start playing. I had never heard I don't really watch a lot of Rutgers football of Isaiah Pacheco till last year around training camp when the guys with the Chiefs started talking about him. And then nationally, you know, Veach's boys are Schrager. It's just a lot of Isaiah Pacheco love. Lewis Riddick knows all those guys. Then by the end of the season, dude was running down people's throats. That's what happens, right? I mean, just a couple years previously, they had drafted one of the best players on one of the best teams in the history of college football in the first round. You're like, God, Andy with Clyde. They're going to be able to throw screens. He's going to be able to use them. A couple years later, Clyde's kind of irrelevant, and Isaiah Pacheco is just a baller. Just like that. That's how it happens. And injuries suck. I don't miss them at all. That feeling today of clicking on the internet and watching Joe Burrow hit the ground, practice ended. Like You could just tell. You didn't even need to be there. It went silent. Rightfully so. Because there are certain players on every team, and obviously Burrow would be the number one guy on that team. If they go down and they can't move for whatever reason, and you don't quite, especially a non-contact injury, everyone's heart drops into their stomach. I don't care at all about the Bengals. I, I got kind of like, oh shit, did he just rupture his Achilles? 
then it was pretty clear, you know, he pulled his calf. They, the coach said it after. And by the time you realize he had, I guess, added a sleeve to his leg. But for a split second, you went one of the best players in the league. And let's face it, one of the most important because he's a quarterback. It would derail a team's season is over before it even starts. Now, there's a level of like, you you can figure out how to replace Trey Lance to Brock Purdy. There's no replacing Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Herbert, Rodgers. I mean, there are certain guys that just, you're screwed, season over. And then there are other guys, most positions where it's like, feels devastating losing Jalen. And I'm not saying it's a positive losing the guy. It's not ideal. There's no guarantee we ever see the guy the rest of the season. None. There's just, there's just not, but there's a decent chance that maybe a guy you drafted, maybe a guy you had last year on the practice squad just becomes a legitimate starting player, right? And all of a sudden you got Vic Fangio, one of the best defensive coordinators. You scheme him up and you figure out how to play and function and be competitive. And uh, it's just that time of the year. Cause every day when you go to the practice field, you just pray to God that you don't lose a guy, but you do lose guys. Every team does kind of constantly throughout camp. And you just got to figure out, You hopefully you have a replacement or a guy that can figure it out. And it's just not your quarterback. Because if it is your quarterback, for the most part, the, the Romo Kellen Moore to Dak Prescott, the Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, those are abnormal situations, right? Joe Burrow goes down. There's probably not a Brock Purdy that's just going to handle and then we're going to win 11 games. Jalen Ramsey goes down. It's like, okay, we, we can figure this thing out. Potentially. I'm not, maybe, maybe you can. But, um, uh, it's just fascinating the way the league works. And I've been in these personnel meetings. You're constantly, guys are getting cut, undrafted free agents, you know, get released from teams as pads come on, guys, teams, new coaches. One thing that will happen over the next couple of weeks is personnel departments and the coaching staffs will figure out players that they thought they could depend on that they no longer think that they can depend on. And then they'll find guys that they didn't know that they could depend on feel pretty good about those players. And it'll change the strengths and weaknesses and the players on your team that you think you need to upgrade. And then there are always teams every year with new coaching staffs, right? Arizona, Indianapolis, Carolina, that are just willing to trade players on their roster from previous regimes because maybe they're not a scheme fit. Maybe they make too much money. Like maybe you're Arizona and you're trying to bottom out. Like you list some offers for Buda Baker, but he's a headliner. What if it's just a random linebacker? Or like a third wide receiver. It's like, yeah, we you want Rondale Moore? Well, yeah, we might be willing. You give a second round pick. You know, you, th- there are these discussions happening right now because all of a sudden you realize, like, God, our wide receivers aren't that good. We need to upgrade this position. Or God, we do not have very good guards. Are there any teams that maybe have depth at that position that we can just trade a mid round pick for and help us out immediately? Uh, so those discussions will really amp up when the pads come on because it's. The evaluations beside like your conditioning level don't really change right now in training camp because you're not in pads. I guess there are a couple teams in pads, but the the league will be in pads and really a couple days, maybe a week into pads. You start getting the feel like, oh, yeah, this guy might be up for it or this guy might not. And then like three weeks in the camp, some guys after a week you thought would be up for it. You're like, yeah, kind of wearing down. Right. And then into the season, a guy early got some energy, plays well in September. All of a sudden, the guy's MIA for November. So you're constantly kind of playing that game. But right now, all these teams are thinking about is maximizing, getting their team ready day by day for week one. Like, that's the goal. Who is ready to roll? What random players, second-year guys, rookies can help us out, 
heading into week one, right? You, you have a pretty good idea depending on the team, like the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Niners, like there aren't that many moving parts, but maybe there'd be a guy or two as camp goes on. Then there are the shitty teams or teams that have just been bad that the the Texans, right? The Colts, the Cardinals, like everything's on the tape, right? Beside a small number of players, right? Start over, baby. Press the reset button. So let's enjoy it. Football's back. Rock and rolling. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Okay, let's go. Middlecoff mailbag. Very, very easy to get involved. Here's what you do. You fire in my direct messages on Instagram. At John Middlecoff, two Fs, just my name. DMs wide open, and I will attempt to get to your DM. I get to a bunch of them, but it's just, it's difficult. I don't have an assistant. It's impossible anyway, the way direct, I can't sort like you can emails to Warzone in those DMs, and I get a lot of them, and I just react as they come. So if I've missed you, I apologize. I attempt to get to everybody. Let's start with Daniel. My question is related to the franchise tag. I understand that the value of the tag is based on the position of a player and the highest salaries in the league at that position. In a league where the lines between some positions have become blurred, what would be the consequence of having more broadly defined groups? For example, offensive skill group. That would include backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. In this scenario, the Giants would have tagged Barkley, but the value of the tag would have been higher. Don't totally hate that idea. I think that's more than fair. I also think that forces a team, if you were going to include running backs with tight ends and wide receivers, would force your hand if it was worthy of doing that. No different than, I would say, on defense, right? There's a big difference between franchise tagging Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa and franchise tagging a really good safety just because you want them on your squad, right? It would make you think twice. If you you could argue just offensive player, defensive player, hell, let's do that, right? If you made it much more broad, it would make the decisions much more difficult. And to me, it would reward the better GMs because that's what being a GM is. You're just putting the pieces to the puzzle together with your roster. And most teams that are good attempt to avoid the franchise tag at all costs because that's good business because you never now. The franchise tag right now for a running back for the Giants, you would rather franchise tag him, no different with Josh Jacobs, on a year-to-year basis than to pay him a long-term contract. So teams like the franchise tag with certain positions, a star linebacker, a star safety, a star running back, right? And when I say star, I just mean like a legit, you know, Pro Bowl-level talent. But it's very, very lucrative with quarterbacks, with offensive tackles, with pass rushers, where I think given the scenario, and I don't think that's going to happen. It's just one of those. Who knows? Maybe maybe the next collective bargaining agreement. I think the NFLPA, is that a different sport? No, I think it was the NFLPA. They have a new head, uh, if I'm correct. I I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that happens. But that they don't negotiate for a long time. That would be something that you would for sure talk about in one of these scenarios. 
The the other thing is where where it is kind of you get murky water is Micah Parsons is the guy that's not going to get franchised, right? I, I would Jerry shows that if you're good, he pays you and extends you well before that scenario for the most part. I mean, they've it happened once with the pass rusher from Boise, but they they, they typically avoid it, right? Dak, Zeke, Amari, uh, Micah, Will, Diggs. I do think that when you are a guy, remember Jimmy Graham years ago argued he was a wide receiver, and ironically, he was right. Like he's technically a tight end, but he's a wide receiver. Like, let's be real. Travis Kelsey is much closer to being a tight end or excuse me, to a wide receiver than a true quote unquote tight end. Like the George Kittles, the guys that truly block are pretty few and far between. So, and you could argue, wait, I get paid less. You act, you ask me to dominate in the passing game and run block. Like look how McGlinchey got $50 million because he's a good run blocker. You can't really pass block. So it's it's a tough situation. They never win that argument, right? Jimmy Graham lost it. If Micah was ever in that situation, because he'd be like, fuck this. I'm a defensive end pass rusher because they get paid a lot more. Uh, Packers fan in the Bay Area. I can envision a worst case scenario where Love throws more picks than touchdowns, but they run the ball well and the defense plays okay and they finish 7-10. and 10 and pick around 10th in the draft. Love isn't the franchise, and we don't have a high enough pick to get Caleb or Drake May. Where do they go from there? What's the worst position to be in? Like, the worst position to be in in sports is somewhere in the middle, right? It's one thing when you have a really good team, and Tom Brady gets hurt, and you, like, don't make the playoffs. You're like, "Ah, okay, I get it. Like, Joe Burrow, who looks to be fine with the calf injury, if he would have, let's say, you know, had a major injury, you're like, God, what do we do? We're not planning on losing. <laughs> we don't want to lose. They would have been very aggressive to go get a quarterback, I'm sure, if he would have had a serious injury. But you never want to be in the position where, like the Atlanta Falcons, it's like you're never going to suck enough to win two or three games, but you're never going to be good enough to win 10 currently. So what are we doing? Where are we at? I think the Raiders are going to find themselves in that position, especially if Jimmy is somehow able to stay on the field. It's like, oh, they won six, seven games again. Well, what does that get you? You're nowhere near Caleb, but you're nowhere good enough to go, well, hey, we lost in the first round of the playoffs. That's an admirable thing to do. Like, Say what you want about Minnesota. I don't necessarily agree, assuming that they're going to get rid of Cousins because I don't know where they go from there. But at least they're competitive, right? At least if they're healthy over the last five, six years since they have had Cousins, they should be in the playoff mix. And you know if you're a fan, you're like, you know, if things go pretty well, we'll win in 10 to 12 games. That's a good position to be in. Most teams are not the Chiefs, right? The Patriots are dying just to get back to be a playoff team again. So it's, you just never want to be in no man's land. And I think that would be the worst case scenario for the Packers. If he's going to suck in, in the scenario that you gave, like if he's going to, let's just say, 18 picks, 15 touchdowns, which would be a disastrous year. You want to go four and seven or four and seventeen? That'd be way too many games. Four and thirteen. So it's like, hey, we're drafted second. That's where you want to be. You'd want no part of being like twenty touchdowns and eighteen picks, and we went seven and ten, and we draft eleventh. It's like, oh, I guess you just ride it out one more year, him. But this is the hard uh, position about being a guy you know, of, of making the transition from a really good quarterback. 
because the expectations is like, how do you replace Nick Saban? Good luck to the next guy that replaces him, right? Good luck to Jordan Love. It, it's really, really difficult. And I know Packer fans, I see you guys on the interweb, are just, we're tired of Rodgers, and I get it. It would have been, if I put my fan hat on and I was a diehard, it would have got exhausting, right? But I think, you know, you can get spoiled easily of like, this is not normal. I say it all the time. Like, I'm not a Warriors fan. I fuck with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. When those guys are gone, specifically Steph, I'm not going to watch random NBA player play for the Warriors win 43 games. I will not care. News for you. Neither will most people. But you give me great, like I'm locked in. Part of the reason the Packer fans, I know they're a historic brand, but they've had, I mean, two of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen and just two of the more entertaining players we've ever seen. Like, it's a double whammy. It's not like we got a really good player. It's like we got the entertainment value doesn't get any better. Since 1993, 94. I mean, it's, it's 2000. We're not that far away from 2024. So more often than not, in these scenarios, it falls off a cliff. I saw it when I was a kid. I didn't really live through Montana. I lived through Steve Young. And then when his career ended with the concussion, it just, I don't want to say it was a seamless transition, but they got Jeff Garcia, who was obviously not young or Montana, but he sure didn't suck. And they kept. He go, went to Pro Bowls. They were competitive, and it was, like, commendable. And I, I think I speak for every Packer fan. You would die for the Jeff Garcia. We don't need Rodgers. We don't need Favre. But can this guy throw 28 touchdowns and 10 picks and have us 9-10 wins? That would be awesome. And I'm telling you, I lived through it. It is awesome. It's cool. It's, it's, it's very respectable as a fan. What's not is that kind of middle tier where it's like, you'd rather just have the guy suck. First time, long time. Enjoy your perspective on the National Football League. Former Army football player with ties to your alma mater played under Rich Ellerson. Got my start under uh, Rich and knew several guys on that staff that are awesome. So uh, I followed you guys very closely when those guys were there. Anywho, my comment is about all the noise surrounding the running back and how they are being unfairly compensated. And anyone at the the Naval Academies really have a good appreciation for the running game because you guys run it a lot. Oops, didn't mean to press in. No need to hear all this. As a former, okay, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the NFL's pay for performance program. We're generally players with high playing percentages and lower salaries relative to the players in their playing time bracket receive essentially a bonus from a distribution pool. I became aware of it a few years back with Villanueva made the list. Former teammate, Army guy, played for the Steelers. Hear you. Also, as a clean head, I credit you with a great term. My dad also rocks the cul-de-sac up top, and I heard you drop that reference years ago. I've passed it along wherever I could. Uh, Yeah, you just, you can't, in modern day times, my dad had a cul-de-sac at my age, back in the 80s or whatever, you just, those aren't allowed anymore. You either shave or you... uh, or you shave. I don't know. You cannot have a cul-de-sac. It's one thing to be 60 years old, cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac's not allowed if you're, to me, I'd say like under 50. You could you could push it to 45, but you got a three in front of your age, you cannot have a cul-de-sac. To me, the distribution pool, though, so you're a later round pick, and you're making league minimum, and then you play a lot, or you have success, yeah, you get a bonus. Like That's part of the deal. To me, it goes back to all the guys arguing about this are not underpaid guys in the sense of they all have large contracts. Nick Chubb makes $12 million a year. 
Christian McCaffrey makes $12 million a year. Austin Eckler, with bonuses and everything now, makes $8, 9000000 million a year. He's very, very well compensated. Saquon, $10, 11000000 million a year and turned down a contract that would have paid him $12, 13000000 million and guaranteed multiple years. I would totally understand their argument if the average running back number was like $3 million. But my issue with this whole thing is they act like they're on an island. Like there, no other positions can relate. And then guys like Zach Martin raise their hand or Travis Kelsey raise their hand or I don't know, all the safeties raise their hand. Google like Simmons and the Titans guy and just all the good safeties in the league. They're not making $18 million a year. Last time I checked, they play pretty important roles, right? They, they, they make a ton of tackles, guard the pass. Derwin James covers tight ends, covers wide receivers, blitzes. Plays the run. I mean, asking those guys to do a lot. Zach Martin, what do you do for a living? Well, uh, I block, and all these guys making fifteen to twenty-five million dollars. It's on me to shove them the other way. Oh, and then when we decide to call pass plays, this guy named Dak Prescott who makes, uh, I think, forty million dollars a year. Yeah, it's my job to pass protect. So when those guys making twenty-five million dollars a year are running straight into me, I, yeah, I, I have to make sure they don't hit the guy making forty million dollars a year. Like, what's Zach Martin's argument? That seems pretty good to me. Let's see. I I help us move the ball forward, which is the whole goal of offensive football. And then when we pass and I go backwards, I protect the most valuable asset on the team. That's my job. And last time I checked, PFF, NFL grades, wherever, I do a pretty good job of it. I'm pretty durable. Like, I'm a pretty important player. A lot of all pros. Not like, you know, kind of fake pro bowls. All pros. They call me the best guard in football, but that's what I do. And I make $7 million this year. And those guys are bitching and moaning about making 12 when I, I just, that's what really irks me is they, they act like they're better than these other underpaid positions as well. I just don't get it because it's, it's just not true. Really solid segment on the Raiders on the latest pod. As a fan, I think you put the take together without wrapping it in a bow. You mentioned McDaniels probably isn't out after the year and the lack of backup quarterback plan at quarterback and the whole Caleb Williams thing. I think it's fully intentional. They look at Mahomes and Herbert in the division and realize they need one too. Is there a more perfect quarterback to bring in to tank than Garoppolo? He's a guy's guy, but there's 0% chance he stays healthy to win games. Shucks, we tried, but we really just tried to get Caleb who played the Pac-12 game in front of Mark Davis last year. I think, and you're not the first to say that. My only issue with that is, that is not, I promise you, it is not Josh McDaniel's mindset. It's just not. He is not, I don't even know who you play week one. But let's just say, th- their mindset, let's just use the first month of the season. You, his goal, he's going to try to win every game. And let's just say, what if they start three and one? Like they're good. They have enough talent that all of a sudden you look up and they win seven games you, you go seven and ten it's a pretty shitty season but you go seven and ten you can wave goodbye to Caleb Williams like Derek Carr was horrendous last year like couldn't have been any worse and they were blowing like and they won six like, they go six and seven you know six or seven wins remember they drafted what last year eight was it eight or seven I think it was eight so I I, I think a lot of people are thinking that but we do this every year it just, it's so hard 
to get the number one pick. I mean, last year, I was guilty of this. I'm like, Seattle's going to blow. The Giants are going to stink. They both made the playoffs. They both made the playoffs. I'm a newish listener and wanted to ask you something about the mailbag. I was wondering if a fix in the running back contract situation could be incentivized rookie contract. That way, every rookie could get extra money by hitting percentages of snaps played or touchdowns scored. And the running backs could have some extra money before they hit the open market. think I heard Logan on Nerd Sesh say this. This gets back to my thing, though. Like, if I'm a fourth-round guard and you're a fourth-round running back, and by your second year or third year, you're a really good player. We view you like, God, this guy might become a top-five running back. And I'm viewed immediately like I'm a Pro Bowl-level guard. Well, I, how do I put up stats besides just kicking ass and taking names every week? Like, what'd you do this week? I just blocked Aaron Donald. What'd you do last week? I just stoned DeForest Buckner. What'd you do? Uh, you know, I ran for 78 yards, scored a touchdown. So did what that guy did gets valued higher, right? And maybe you're talking about for all positions, but like, what if you're a safety? What if you're T- Talanoa Hufunga, 49ers, USC, six-round pick by a second-year full-time starter pro bowler? Like, is that guy less deserving than some of these running backs that are on rookie contracts? That That's where it gets down the slippery slope of, I, I just think that they've kind of put, not they, but just this whole argument is putting them on a pedestal. It's like the kid analogy, right? Is It's almost acting like you got three kids, one kid is dramatically more important. And us firstborns know, we, you know, we get, we're a little more important, but... In the grand scheme of things, that's not the way it works. I wanted to reach out and see why you and so many others are down on Daniel Jones. Well, I don't know when you thought I was down on Daniel Jones. I just, you know, 15 million, I'd like, or I mean, for 15 touchdowns, I have $42 million, a little rich for my taste, but I, listen, I totally understand running it back. I probably just would have franchised him. However, when I watch him play, I see so much potential. He's big, fast, has a good arm. He's fairly accurate, and he's Got great intangibles. He's been through so much with bad coaches, a revolving door of teammates, and his own injuries that I don't think we scratched the surface of his ability. I think last year was the floor of his potential and has a stable, competent organization around him. Who knows how good he'll become, but I could see him becoming a poor man's Josh Allen. I don't think he's as gifted as Josh, and I don't think he'll be that good, but I do think he could play at a similar 80% product. Okay, I'm going to pump the brakes there. When you when you do those comparisons, right, to any great player, I think this guy, I don't think he's going to be Pedro Martinez, but I think he could be a legit pitcher. I don't think he's going to be Giannis, but shit, I think you set the bar so high, right? I mean, Josh Allen is one of the great physically gifted. He's like a better version of Cam Newton as a passer, right? You just don't see what he's working with. 6'5", whatever, 240, I'm guessing can be that fast with that big of an arm, still has some inaccuracy issues. That's why I think the Cam, he's a better version of Cam Newton. Like To me, Daniel Jones is probably the more physically gifted version of Alex Smith, who proved great intangibles, people love him. But looking back at Alex, up until Washington, his contract was never that crazy. Part of what defines you as a player in the NFL, because it's a cap league, is how much you make. Right. That's 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 the business this whole thing's about. Right. Any business acquiring another business, we judge you how much did you pay for the business? And then a couple years later, what's it worth for you? Right. 
Why did Google make a great move acquiring YouTube? Because they acquired it for a billion dollars. What could YouTube spin off and sell on its own? 50 billion? 80, you know, 35 billion? I don't know, but a lot more than one. So when I pay Mahomes 45 million, it's like, okay, you have to produce at an even higher level. And then he does. The guy is worth every penny. And that's what the great quarterbacks, Manning, whoever. And it's why we're so critical of kind of that next tier, right? Dak, Cousins, like in a vacuum, those guys are good. Those guys are really good relative to the history of the sport and the majority of their contemporaries. But once I start paying you a premium, it's like, I, I'm sorry, it, fair or not, because you don't change as a player just because you get a bigger direct deposit, right? You don't get any better at your job just because your boss gives you a raise. I mean, maybe like you produce what you produce. Now, maybe there's pressure on you to produce more, and then it's on you to land more sales, land more deals, do whatever is asked of you in said industry. But like Daniel Jones, once he gets paid that, because I'm with you, he's solid. There's a lot to work with, and he showed a lot of mental fortitude, everything he went through to come out on the end last year. But I can't even begin to get to Josh Allen. One and two, like, can we just get 25 touchdowns? And you might come back, well, look at who's receivers. And that's fair. Well, now the the talent around him is a little bit better. They add Darren Waller. They got Saquon back with his mind right. Um, I'd actually have to pull up your roster to know who else is on offense, but lock up your left tackle. To me, it's on him to produce. Like part of Josh Allen, and he's benefited. They did a really good job. They got him Stephon Diggs, who immediately came in and kicked ass. They drafted some other talented skilled positions, and they keep doing that. They just drafted a tight end in the first round that we all view is going to be pretty good. But once you get paid a premium, you got to start producing a premium, or you have to sustain producing the premium, like all the great quarterbacks typically do. Till we see him do that, it was always why Alex always got a lot of criticism. Never quite like, God, it always felt like he didn't produce enough to be like a top 10 quarterback. Once I pay you $40 million, I don't care that, oh, the salary cap, I hear that in the NBA all the time. Well, you can't look at it like this because the salary cap's going up. It's like, I don't give a shit. If you're paying this guy $55 million, whether the salary cap's $180 million, $200 million, regardless, the guy fucking better be elite. Jalen Brown, $300 million, I'm sorry, terrible contract. Because he's never going to be a top five player. He just isn't. Now, you can give me the arguments. How do you upgrade? And that's the argument with Daniel Jones. Like, how do you upgrade? I get it. But, like, you got you to gotta bring more to the table once you get paid more. You either have to improve or it's just not a good contract. So there is, I think we all agree. I probably sound like I'm being negative here. There is a lot of pressure on him this year. A lot of pressure. There are going to be a lot of fucking eyeballs just nitpicking the guy, which happened early on in his career. And then it was like, God, Joe Judd, like who's coaching him? Now it's like, okay, real coach, had some success. Let's see what's going to go on. Little suggestion. You say the word behemoth a decent amount, but reach, but each time you slightly mispronounce it. You say bohemoth, and it's actually pronounced behemoth. Is this my uh, seventh grade English teacher? Appreciate it. You know, I can take hard coaching. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bowl flavor, full pouches. Uh, don't have an IG, so I'm borrowing my wife's. Get that a lot. I, I have a lot of respect. Even if clearly whatever you do for a living, you don't need any social media. Just You just don't have it. Just for out of boredom. What do you do in your spare time if you're just sitting there? What is your go-to app? Because I would say Instagram... Seven days a week, I would say the stock market kind of ticker is one. I, I'd say Instagram and, and that one are the ones I wear out. Other than that, you know, besides texting, I don't have like a go-to app. If you just, I, I don't have Twitter on my phone because I don't need the negative vibes. Uh, a lot of negativity on that app. Threads is one of the biggest overhyped machines ever. I haven't been on that in two weeks. But I don't really, I, I don't really use that many apps. Sometimes that little heart app just to see how many steps I got see if I hit that uh 10,000 number feel kind of good about myself but if you don't have Instagram and I, I have a lot of admiration if this you're not on your phone that much because I'm jealous uh don't have Instagram why is there a cutoff for a franchise tag players can sign an extension why wouldn't they be able to do that once the season starts I've always wondered how anyone can keep an extension except them keep up the great work that's a good question uh, I, I don't have the answer to that. I, I just, I think there are things that are collectively bargained for a reason, right? It's like, if I'm going to pay you a fully guaranteed deal, I don't know. I am trying to think logically why that would make sense because you would always want a guy that's franchise tagged. Like if a guy's franchise tagged, even if you're hesitant to give him a long-term deal, it's still you're still having meetings about it, right? If you're willing to give 10, 15, 20, 30 million dollars in one season, you are at least having the conversation behind closed doors about extending the guy long term. So that would be an ongoing process, but I wonder if, you know, the owners part of negotiations is like you don't get to get everything, right? This is kind of a win for us. Once you get here's a certain date, if you don't agree to a deal by then, it's off the table. So I would imagine if I had to take an educated guess, teams fought for that one because we don't even want to talk about it. We're paying you. A lot of these positions make a lot more than running backs. 
fellow Cal Paul alum, 1999. I have a question for you on the running backs and draft eligibility. As I understand it, you have to play three years of college football. True. If this is the case, can you see a scenario where a running back plays two years in college and then takes the third off to prepare for the draft? If I had a son that was a stud at the position, this is what I would advise him to do. I get that for some of the top backs, you are walking away from NIL money, but with the realities of the position being where they are, you should save the amount of hits you take until you get into the league. The younger you are, the better off you are to get into the NFL ASAP. So if you are a stud and a top pick, first round, early second round, and you can pan out, you can be really young when you are due your next contract. Here would be my pushback on that. In theory, it sounds really good. But a couple things here. First and foremost, you get better at something. I don't care what it is. Being a doctor, being a podcaster, playing running back, by doing that thing. And a lot of jobs you can kind of practice, right? Even in sports, you can train. Baseball and basketball, I've said this forever, you can get much closer to what you're going to see on the field or on the court in a non-official capacity. In football, it's impossible. So taking a year off, for the most part, you are, I would say, as a whole, are going to get worse. Very, very rare in a scenario that I think a guy is going to improve himself at that position, at that position, because I, and maybe I'm wrong, but the other thing would be, is that a lot of guys think of some of the recent running backs, right? I say Bijan, somewhat of an outlier, elite prospect probably would have been viewed that way after two years ago, but I'd have to ask around if he improved his stock a lot this year, which I, I think he did. But Gibbs, the guy that went to the Lions, he was a Georgia Tech transfer, right? Josh Jacobs didn't play that much until I think his senior year. So a lot of guys improve their standing by working their way up the depth chart. Now, Saquon was a guy who dominated before his junior year. So there are examples. But for the most part, a lot of running backs improve their stock over time, right? And especially if you are... If you're coming out early, which a lot of the top running backs do, sometimes you just pl- you don't you're not the full time starter, especially if you're at a big time program as a true freshman. So maybe you mix in, you mix out. Now by the time you're a sophomore, but then it's only one year of tape. Uh, I, I don't think it's crazy. I also think running backs in college <clears throat> you can make a lot of money. As you see, uh, what's the dude at Michigan? Blake Corm. He is a stud. Remember, got hurt at the end of last year. Returned to Michigan. Why? Got broken off. Probably be a third round pick, fourth round pick. How much do you think he's making in Michigan? A couple million bucks? Give or take? So I I, I hear you. I, I don't think, and I know we've seen some examples that COVID year, Micah Parsons, Sewell, Justin Jefferson. I would say they tend to be more outliers than like, yeah, Adrian Peterson could have done it. Maybe Saquon could have done it. But for the most part, I don't think many guys could pull it off. Hey, John, listener for a few years, non-sports topic. What's your fast food burger rankings? Culver's, Butter Burger, never been. Big Mac, hot take. Wendy's, In-N-Out, little overrated. I would say In-N-Out, I would go to Wendy's for the chicken sandwich. Uh, Cheeseburger, Five Guys is pretty good. You know a place I've always wanted to go to? Is 
Red Robin. I've never been to a Red Robin. Driven by a million. My entire life. Never been one. To me, you're going to Wendy's. You're getting the spicy chicken sandwich. I listen to your podcast while I work my summer job landscaping. I love your takes. Appreciate you. I'm headed to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee in hopes of becoming a lawyer and then a sports agent. I chose Belmont because of the free tuition, uh, but also because they partner with the Titans and the Nashville Predators organization. How do you think I should begin or go about getting into the industry? I'm also excited to see DeAndre Hopkins for a season with the Titans and plan on attending games. Use the Game Time app. Promo code John. I like it. Secondly, I'm a huge Saints fan and want your opinion. With the Saints having the third easiest schedule in the league and being the worst division, could you see them having a season like the Vikings did last year? I think there's a lot of pressure on Derek Carr. I think there's a lot of pressure on Dennis Allen. I think both guys, last time I saw, they expect Mike Thomas to be fully healthy. Uh, They obviously last year had a good defense. I think they had a game against the Raiders, ironically, where the Raiders never moved the ball past the 50. I think maybe they did the last drive of the season, but they yanked. Uh, the last drive of that game, the Yank car. I, I would say there is a tangible pressure on them to win that division. Doesn't have to be pretty, but I would say anything less than the Saints winning the South, assuming that Derek stays healthy, is kind of a disaster. They, they have no business to not. The Bucks are in complete rebuild, reset mode. The Panthers have a rookie quarterback, new coaching staff. I, I just think the Falcons, who the fuck's their quarterback? It's kind of now. You don't. It doesn't have to be a thirteen win season, but to me, they should go ten and seven. And if you go ten and seven in that division, you're winning it. My recommendation would be twofold. One, even if you're the smartest guy on campus, you're going to be there for three and a half years. I would kind of ease your way in. Just enjoy being a college kid. Have a good time. I mean, you're eighteen years old now, and while you're doing that. You know, just kind of work through the athletic department, do what you need to do to get with the Titans. It's an incredible opportunity. It's right there. But I, you only get this time once in your life, man. Uh, once college ended for me, went to work immediately at the Fresno State and then to the Eagles, and you just work. You just work nonstop, and I'm still working. But you, you have a small period of time in your life to just have a little fun. And I'm not trying to, like, detour you from being the next Jeff Bezos of football. Like you can just, or Mark Zuckerberg or Elon or something. Like you, you're clearly driven. You have your mindset more dialed in than me. But I, I would, I would just try to be somewhat at least of a college kid your freshman year. You, you get that experience one time in your life. You, you, even if you are fucking Theo Epstein, you can run a team when you're 30. You know, and that's, you, you just enjoy yourself a little bit, man, because you get these times only so often. You never know, meet a lady, might be your future wife. Uh, maybe not. Maybe just, you know, night hookup, but just just have a good time while you're kind of, you know, every maybe week or month, try to make a little incremental progress your freshman year of getting your foot in the door, doing what you have to do. Uh, because if you're going to work, if you have to work, you want to work in what you're what you ideally want to do. Like, you don't want to waste your time if you want to work in football. <laughs> I would say doing another job in another industry. And there's one thing to like. You know, work at a restaurant to get some money. That's understandable, but you don't want to have to work at like Morgan Stanley or do something that you don't want to do. Do everything you can to work in what you want to do. And, but have a good time, bro. It's, it's college. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's one time in your life you really just nothing really matters. Cause I promise you this don't fail out of school. Now, if you want to go to law school, is that what you said? 
your grades are somewhat important, but no one's ever asked me uh, ever what my grades were in college. I, I couldn't even tell you. I think somehow by the end, I maybe got over a 3.0, but I was hovering there mid-low twos, you know, for a long time. No one gives a shit. It does now. Certain industries matter. I'm not anyone listening that's a doctor, that's a lawyer, getting into certain grad schools for sure. I'm not trying to get you off on the wrong path of screwing up. But for a lot of us, no one asked Belichick what he got in Econ 101 his sophomore year of college. It just it it does not matter. Adios. Have a good day. Let's enjoy some football. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.